cannabis topics in less than 10 minutes. Let's go. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Dime. I'm Brian Fields, and with me, as always, is Kellen Finney. And this week, we've got a very special guest, Dr. Peter Grinspoon, primary care doctor at Mass General Hospital, instructor of medicine at Harvard, and author. Dr. Grinspoon, thanks for taking the time. How are you doing today? Doing great. Thank you so much for having me in your show. Talking about the openness of it, it must have been a topic that was always open in your household, but I'm guessing you saw it from a different perspective because not everyone else got to experience such an open conversation about cannabis and its benefits. What was really interesting is that our our living room was always full of like the most interesting pro-social and influential like academics and scholars. My dad was very social. We had all kinds of people like the astronomer Carl Sagan or like the poet Ellen Ginsberg, all kinds of people. And they were having the most interesting, like nonstop motivating conversations about how to impact the problems in the world and about different academic and intellectual subjects. It was like the most inspiring thing a kid could be possibly exposed to. Then I go to like school and there'd be like the DARE program and they'd be like cannabis, these like the same old policemen like waddle in every year and say cannabis makes you amotivational. And it was very confusing as a kid. And then as a teenager, I finally figured out that like the DARE program was complete BS and like what I was learning at home was actually the truth. So as I went through a career in medicine, I was sort of immune to a lot of the nonsense that unfortunately they teach us in medical school about cannabis. I knew that it was a a medicine, at least for one indication, because I saw my brother benefit. I mean, there's nothing more impactful than witnessing the alleviation of suffering in a family member, which is why 94% of Americans now support legal access to medical cannabis. So yeah, growing up was really, just had a really huge impact on my career trajectory. As far as you're aware, is there any other areas of medicine that have such wide disparities between pros and cons as cannabis? Well, I think in other drug policies, I mean, you know, opiates, uh, you know, some of the conservatives are like, we're like, we shouldn't share needles, you know, and now they're like, we don't want safe consumption sites or to give people Narcan. We don't want to support drug use. And I'm actually personally 15 years in opiate recovery. If you're going to use an opiate, if you're withdrawing, you're going to use an opiate. You don't care if the needle is safe or not. So I get the harm reduction is an area that I think there's still a lot of, I think the drug-related issues, because there's a lot of good science and there's a lot of evolution and progression in thought. You know, harm reduction is great, less people will overdose on fentanyl, whereas a lot of people are still, uh, have these stigmatized views of addiction and of drugs and of drug users uh, from the war on drugs. So I would say any drug issue has its polarization, but really cannabis seems to be a flashpoint for all of this. And I and I go into this a lot in my book. Is it just that it happened to be, you know, the symbol of the 1960s? Or is it something about the way the cannabis unlocks our thoughts and helps us be like mindful and interconnected and creative and think out of the box that, that governments hate and want to suppress? I mean, I talk a lot about what is it about cannabis that engendered all this controversy? You think a lot of the reasons why the doctors are more keen on providing the Adderall versus cannabis is just based on the scientific studies behind it and the comfort level in prescribing that? Or do you think there's other nuances behind it? It's based on the scientific studies that were done and promoted. You know, you had pharma doing and promoting all these studies about Adderall and the ones that showed that it was bad or didn't work, wouldn't they just wouldn't publish. You don't have to publish a study. I mean, I think the laws would change a little bit on that. And the ones that were published that showed Adderall helps ADHD were pumped directly into the brains of our nation's doctors. I mean, a lot of the medical societies are really compromised by 
pharmaceutical money, it's really hard to believe that there's a firewall between what they believe about these drugs, you know, pro-Adderall, anti-cannabis, and all the funding they get from pharmaceutical companies. Now, that said, Adderall is an extremely effective treatment for attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, a critical medicine. There's a shortage of it right now, which is tragic and is harming a lot of people. It's not bashing on Adderall. I'm just making the point that the studies of cannabis, the only ones that doctors got and get to this day are the ones about harm. Most of the studies done were looking for harm. And then there's another thing called publication bias, where if you find a harm, it gets in all the newspapers, you know, CNN, marijuana causes your leg to fall off. Whereas there's no headline, marijuana doesn't cause your leg to fall off because that's boring. What about driving while high? Obviously your book kind of expands on that, but I'd like to get your perspective on A, how do we regulate that with everyone having different tolerances? And B, do you see that being a current issue? And if not, will that be one in the future? I don't think it's safe or ethical to drive one high, particularly because you could crash into some innocent person and like kill their whole family. It is more dangerous to drive when you're high than when you're not high. The studies have shown that like people feel like after a couple hours of smoking, they could drive, but that the, the deficits in the driving lap can last like three to four hours, not just one to two hours. So you actually feel like you could drive before you actually can drive. And the things that get worse, you know, the joke is that people who are drunk speed through the red light and people who are high, like stop gently at the green light. You don't really want to do either. But what they find in driving labs is that people don't respond to signals as quickly, like spacing out, listening to the dead on the green light or, and there's more lane deviation. But that said, on average, if you look at all the studies driving at, you know, just above the legal limit of like point, about like a hundred alcohol, the legal limit is like 80. Your increase of crash risk is like 14 times. Slightly switch gears, cannabis for pregnant women, in your experience or in some of your research, have you found it to be safe or something that people should stay away from? Well, keep in mind that my other hat is a primary care doctor. And as involved in the cannabis legalization movement as I've been my entire life, I'm still like so cautious about giving anything that could be, be potentially harmful to a pregnant woman. And we don't know the cannabis is safe. We it's very hard to prove you can't study it on pregnant women. A lot of the Harm data has been hyped up. We don't know how dangerous it is because it's been very exaggerated. But I think anything during pregnancy is guilty until proven innocent. So, you know, there are exceptions. If a woman's having very severe nausea, vomiting, that they require being in the hospital and they're being given these, again, just like the autistic kids, these heavy duty neuroleptic medications that are very bad for the fetus, it's hard to argue that THC is worse than that. So I think there are certainly exceptions and it certainly does help women with morning sickness. But I tend to ask people to avoid it because we don't know that it's safe. Now that said, as my wife pointed out when I was writing the book, you can't just tell pregnant women not to take anything if they have a blistering migraine. I want to read a quote from your book and then get your opinion. Cannabis was widely embraced by medical institutions between 1840 and 1900, as more than 100 papers were published in the Western medical literation recommending its clinical use for various ailments. How many average people do you think would know that? I would say, if I'm just going to guess, pull something out of my rear end, I would guess a fifth, because uh, a, a fifth of Americans seem to be like very diehard cannabis enthusiasts, and, and they would know a lot about the history. I mean, anybody who read my dad's book, Marijuana Reconsidered in 1971, which I mentioned at the very beginning, uh, which was uh, reviewed in the front page of the New York Times Book Review and was a bestseller, like would, would know that. And I think it's a very common part of like cannabis lore. I think your average American that's just grown up under like the last 50 years of drug war nonsense would have no idea that we're not actually legalizing cannabis, we're re-legalizing it. Let's do a quick rapid fire. True or false, cannabis stunts brain growth. False unless potentially... You're a teenager with heavy use 
before the age of 18, it could potentially have a negative effect on the brain. True or false, today's marijuana is not just a plant. It's genetically modified, potent, and contains toxins. Every crop that we have is genetically modified. We've been breeding them for thousands of years. So like that's a straw man argument. You, you couldn't possibly find a plant anywhere that we eat that hasn't been genetically modified. True or false, genetically engineered marijuana may cause mass shootings. Well, the word may is a philosophy major. Like, I guess may, if you get stoned, burn your finger, drop the gun, it goes off accidentally and kills eight people. Sure, but generally speaking, cannabis has not been associated with violence. True or false, cannabis is addictive. Cannabis can be addictive. I think it's particularly addictive to teens who learn to treat their boredom, anxiety, anger, loneliness with a drug that makes you feel better than to self-soothe. They don't learn like normal coping skills if they use too much cannabis. True or false, marijuana more than doubles the risk of developing opioid use disorder or initiating non-medical prescription opioid use. False. The gateway theory of drug use was a complete fever dream of the war on drugs. True or false, cannabis can help cure cancer. That's complicated. Um, cannabis has not been shown to help cure or treat cancer in humans. Cannabis is incredibly helpful in treating the symptoms of cancer, the anxiety, the pain, the insomnia, the lack of appetite, uh, the nausea. So cannabis is critical in cancer care. It's hard to find an oncologist that isn't a supporter of medical cannabis. What is one factor statistic about cannabis that would surprise others to learn? Well, I think it's interesting that the first time people use it, a lot of times they don't get high and people don't really understand why that's the case. So Dr. Gitzman, for those who want to get in touch, they want to read the book, where can they find you? Well, the book comes out on 420 and it's going to be in all bookstores. And the easiest way to get in contact with me or to find the book is to check out my website, which is just www.petergrinspoon.com. I really appreciate the conversation. We'll link it up on the show notes so that everyone can find it. Thanks for taking the time. Thank you guys so much. I really enjoyed our conversation. Guys, if you've enjoyed this podcast over the last few years, can you please take three minutes or less and leave us a quick review on Apple or Spotify? All reviews make a massive difference for us and help other people like you find this podcast. From the bottom of our hearts, thank you. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. I'm Joyce Gerber, the creator and host of the award-winning podcast, The Canna Mom Show. And we are on a mission to enhance the impact women have on this industry as business professionals, healthcare providers, policy advocates, caregivers, moms, by sharing and preserving their stories of love and kindness, wisdom, and hope. I am so grateful to have found my tribe of Canada podcasters right here on PodConnex and look forward to our work of crushing the stigma around cannabis and caregivers and building this new industry together.